Whew. Hey, Dan. Yeah. Oh, do you mind? Do you mind like opening a window or something? I just need a little air okay. right now. I'm feeling really dizzy, oh. just really lightheaded. What's the matter? Are you okay? I don't know. I just I feel really faint. Uh oh. Yeah. Just I don't know something. Something about this moment. I feel like really faint. That. You, that's not the song we're doing this week. What? Is that this? This was your bit for the for the opening. No, the, we're we're doing. Uh, those words are not enough. We're not doing for the moments I feel faint. Oh fuck! Feelings inside my head. I don't know. I know we've done that same bit before, just the other way around. <laughs> right. I was actually, <laughs> Jessica was like, oh, I have the bit this week. Take take my lead on it. I'm like, okay. And then I take the lead and I'm like, this feels very familiar. Yeah, yeah. We've totally done this. <laughs> but I did keep getting confused this week and thinking we were doing. Right. For the moments I feel faint. Yeah. And I've said it before. There are certain Reliant K songs <laughs> where the song title just clicks the same box it fires yep. the exact same yeah. neuron in your brain and you're yeah. like which song is this <laughs> sahara or savannah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so this week we're talking about those words are not enough yes <laughs> See, for a second i was like wait <laughs> y- yes yes i was prepared for you to to say the wrong one again any top of the show business uh, we do have top of the show business. Oh. So we have some voicemails from David Park and from Brady. Let's nice. see. First, David Park. Hey, it's David from Jimmy Pod. Um, what was I going to say? Something about ska. Yeah. Um, I think, oh, I'm, I'm not like a music theorist or anything, but it's on the and that you want the upstroke. So it's like one and two and three and four. So that's the and. And then you were going to say something about, damn. Am I going to have to call back again? And then he does have to call back. <laughs> so then he calls back. And right. I've, and so this is going back to last week. The lining is silver because there's all of that upstroke section of the song. Right. And I was like, I don't know if this is exactly ska. It is like, it seems offbeat, which mm-hmm. is the point. So, so David explains it. It's not, it's not, I was like, is it one, two, three, four. It's that's not Scott. It's one and two and three and four. That's right. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're basically like you're going between the actual beats. You mm-hmm. want the four beats, but then you're actually accentuating in between the beats. Right. That makes more sense to me now. For some reason I was thinking like you accentuate the two and the four, but that's not correct. That's probably more like maybe polka type stuff. <laughs> now he's gonna have to call back again. <laughs> but then he remembers what he uh the next point he was going to make. And unfortunately, some of this voicemail got chopped up oh, no. in the call. But I think we get the gist of what he's saying. Okay. Hey, guys. David again. Uh, mariachi music. So uh, it's funny that you mentioned mariachi and polka. Mariachi music history is based in polka music when uh, I believe the Germans showed up in Mexico uh, exploring. And they had polka and umpapa music which is why a lot of mariachi music 
I assume he said has the same beat as Polka. Oh yeah, that's really interesting. That's a big deal. I was like, whoa, that. Yes, that is wow. That is cool. I wish we knew what you were saying. Yes. So, <laughs> my fault for um, oh, there's a couple more seconds. Let's see. Makes a lot of sense. Anyway, that was it. Not. Nope, it's not. I. Yeah, this is my fault. I need to start double checking the voicemails as they call in, and if that happens, contacting everyone and saying yeah. how your voicemail got chopped up. Yeah. But right before, I was letting them all just pile up. Mm-hmm. in the inbox and I'm like basically after the show I need to not delete them but archive them so we mm-hmm. always have them and then have the inbox nice and clean and then anything that comes in before the next record I should listen to it right away but yeah that makes sense I guess of that history of that's why Polka and Mariachi yeah, both yeah. have that now I'm guessing so I'm guessing something you was going to say along the lines of polka music and mariachi music are like probably more on the two and the four maybe Mm -hmm. or at least whatever their maybe if david knows whatever their beat is that's why polka and mariachi apparently have that similar rhythm i don't know danny but do you know what i do know what do you know i know that those words are not enough (laughs) those words are not enough because i didn't (laughs) contact david in time to tell him to say those words were not enough try again um, but yes, thank you very much. Thanks to David for calling. Oh, you know, it's funny. So, uh, last week on Jimmy Eat Pod, he mentioned, so, and we mentioned, we mentioned last week on our <laughs> show or the two weeks ago, whatever, how he's just had a new baby. He and his wife have had a new baby. And so he hasn't been on his own podcast all that much. Like he's not actually, at the very least, he's not there with his co-hosts. Like oh, they're right, doing right. trade-off episodes or like he'll host a show or they'll do they did one thing where they each did a separate episode on the same song. Gotcha. Point is, he did a podcast this week with his wife. Nice. And they and at first I didn't they didn't say this, but I'm like, oh, they're ripping off our formula. <laughs> <laughs> Married couple talking about their favorite, you know, <laughs> band in common. But he mentioned that we congratulated them for their new baby. And she was like, oh, that's great, but I've never met them. <laughs> and then you, and then it was Jessica who reminded me. She's like, Jessica said, no, we met her. We met her at the Back to the Beach Festival. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I guess we make such a good impression. Yeah, we're terribly memorable. <laughs> that's, know. yeah. There's a lot going on there that day. It's a festival. <laughs> it's in the sand. It's hot and sweaty. And I said Back to the Beach Fest is like high school. It's fun and all, but there's a lot of bullshit you have to put up with yes absolutely <laughs> so anyway <laughs> uh here is brady's voicemail and he has some thoughts on the lyrics to the lining of silver oh nice hey jan and death this is brady <laughs> that's something he recently started doing is flip-flopping our nice. our uh, syllables there's nice. a word for that and then i don't know what it is when you purposefully flip-flop <laughs> syllables and something but he's been doing that and uh, here's the rest of his voicemail. From Portland, Oregon. So I'm listening to The Lining of Silver right now. And you guys are talking about the black shoes in the closet. So um, I'm going to... So uh, the black shoes with the bones in the closets and the regrets. Those could be resentments. Like he, uh, he, he lost a pair of black shoes. And he was really resentful that he lost them. Um, you know, like if you uh, go to the grocery store... You get something, you get home, you can't find it, you just get, like, angry about it. 
and black shoes, you know, new shoes, that might be a thing you're a bit more resentful about. Um, so he could have, this could be about, um, you know, going through your life trying to clean out all the resentments inside of yourself um, and just things you've been holding on to, trying to let go of them, and looking at the silver linings in life, you know, the stuff you've learned through the um, shitty circumstances um, or the people who hurt you that you're just holding grudges against. Um, and looking at the things you've learned in those things and realizing, you know, the golden inner soul inside of us. So that makes a lot of sense yeah, to me. Yeah, now, well yeah, said, yeah. I, th- I think we both considered, and maybe the people who made literal videos online didn't help this idea, <laughs> that it seemed like he actually found a pair of shoes he'd never seen before in his closet while cleaning out the bones that he'd left in his closet. Right. Which is fun and all, which is fun, which is fine and all, but it didn't make sense. Like, how do you find new shoes in the closet? That makes sense. Like, he had bought new shoes. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like, you bring, you you try to bring new things into your life, but they get weighed down by the baggage you have. Right. And, you know, like, if you buy a new book and it just goes on your bookshelf with all your old books and you kind of forget it's there, that's like a... Yeah. And then later you realize that she left the book there and Savannah. Oh, Savannah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, is... yeah. And then there was something about the, the symmetries in the cemetery. Oh, right, right, right. So thank you for reminding me of that because I had completely forgotten. Last week, yeah. So last week we were talking about, when we were talking about the lining of silver, we were totally in Camp Cemetery. Yeah, which is that I still am, and we didn't even we jokingly like mocked people <laughs> who would even think it's cemetery. Like we made fun of that stick figure video for even thinking it was cemetery. But then you can see my socks sent us a picture of the lyric booklet from Inside Bird and the B Sides, and it said cemeteries, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, I believe that is a typo. I refuse <laughs> to accept it's not cemetery. I it it just seems to work better with yeah. cemetery. If that's the case, now here's so there's most there could be multiple things going on here. It could have always been cemetery, and we were just wrong, and maybe that's really what Matisse intended. Or it could have been cemetery, and the person who copyrights the book could have messed it up because mm-hmm. that actually happens. Um, right. I I don't I think it's different with every record label with every record, but there are people who do the layouts for the CD booklets. The the band themselves are they approve the layouts most of the time. I assume. I work in print advertising and stuff, so I but I don't know I don't know how booklets and cases for physical right, right. media are absolutely done in every different thing. I don't know. I've seen how art books are like. Uh, approved and stuff like that but I just don't know if it's similar or if it's different in every case but whatever the point is I know that there are there are there are like copies of CDs out there where like tracks on the back get switched by mistake yeah or the wrong title was used maybe a song title was changed and then a later pressing they correct that yeah it it just doesn't it it doesn't flow as cemetery it doesn't make sense as cemetery it's those two possibilities or it's actually it could hypothetically be both like when Matt Thiessen wrote it, it could have been cemeteries and cemeteries, mm. but in the CD booklet they had to pick one, 
Or they could have put, like, cemeteries slash cemeteries. Like, you know, it could have been both. Right. But, because it, it seems like, it seems anachronistic that if you have a lyric, there's only got to be one lyric. But, like, you know how, like, R.E.M. doesn't, for the longest time, wouldn't even have the lyrics in their booklets. Mm-hmm. They would not do that because they were like, the lyrics aren't important. Like, whatever you think the lyrics are, what do you th- think? Who cares? Right. And that was their point of view. Artists can play around with that expectation of lyrics if they want. This is totally just like just grasping at straws in terms of <laughs> theories of if it's cemeteries or cemeteries. Yeah, I'm we're team cemeteries. Yep. Because and this is my number one thing to to say to it. You can't. The line is you can't see the forest for the 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 actual colloquialism is. You can, or is you can't see the forest for the trees. That's yes. a figure of speech that has always existed. It means you're too busy looking at the finer details of something to enjoy the big picture. It's like you keep leaves like there's a bunch of trees. There's actually a Ren and Stimpy cartoon that like perfectly shows like they're looking for a forest, and then Ren's like, "How are we gonna find the forest when all these trees are in the way?" <laughs> That's what that means. Yeah. So the pun on that would be to find a word that rhymes with trees or has the word trees in its syllables. Cemetery. You yeah. pronounce the word cemetery. Cemetery. Mm-hmm. You don't pronounce the word cemetery. Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it doesn't you're from make some like obscure part of the country where that's how you say it. Like I guess. the kind of people who say roof instead of roof and <laughs> yeah. such. Right. But you do say, everyone says cemetery. The word tree is in the word cemetery. Yes. The word tree is not in the word cemetery. It's terry. Cemetery. Yeah. If you couldn't see the forest for the terries, then <laughs> that would make sense. Okay. I don't know. We're, my last You can't see thought. life for the death. Is that what that line would mean then if it was cemetery? You can't see the forest for the cemetery? I guess, yeah. Be- oh, yeah, that's right. Because our because we when we th- just assumed, because, and the other thing is all the lyric sites, I looked at it after the fact, all of them say cemetery yeah. except for genius. And who are we to argue with geniuses? <laughs> But genius, <laughs> all the usual offenders, Metro lyrics, AZ yeah. lyrics, all yeah. those said cemetery. Yep. Genius was the only one that said cemetery. I apparently didn't look at genius because I just probably, Google probably gave me the first results that it gave me. And I was like, oh, yes, it's cemetery. Okay. So our theory on the, our feeling, our interpretation of that lyric was you can't see the natural beauty, mm-hmm. the forest for your desire to find perfection cemetery so yeah it totally changes the concept to say cemetery because it's like you can't see the natural beauty for the death i don't know if that's what he meant that's what he meant but i love the idea of can't see the forest for the cemetery yeah I love that. Yeah. Can't yeah. see the natural beauty because you're too busy looking for perfection. Yeah. Because it also plays into the whole, we're doing last week's episode again. Yes, we are. <laughs> but it plays into the whole <laughs> feeling I have about that song. Is It's about someone giving up on judging everybody, a Christian giving up on criticizing and viewing people's sins and trying to find people's sins. And I don't know. April's joining in. April's she like, says, listen, I totally agree. those words were more than enough. Let's move on. <laughs> 
<laughs> so those the words from last week and the words from this week are enough. I say we can move on to this week's song. April. Shush. Yeah, there's that. So there's all that. All that. And then there's three CDs on the, on table, the table tonight. Including another one. I wanted to mention. So we picked this. So this week I picked Those Words Are Not Enough. Mm-hmm. And why did you pick that song, Dan? I picked that song because for several weeks, I've been trying to get us to do You'll Always Be My Best Friend, because I'm kind of pumped to get ready to do a non, a fully non-Matt Thiessen song. Yes. Because we've been doing this podcast long enough, and all the big non-Matt songs are on Bird and the B-Sides. But we ended up doing The Lining is Silver because... Oh, other big news. <laughs> we ended <laughs> Which I'll get into. Uh, we last week we did lining a silver because we were like, well, the vine, the fan curated vinyl is going to be shipping soon. I, so I I decided let's we need to do a burn the B side song this week. Let's do lining a silver because it's the only one on the fan vinyl. That was also my pick. So I'm like, okay, again we're not doing. You'll always be my best friend. I've been trying to get this done for weeks, but it hasn't been happening. Side note, the vinyls have shipped. Woohoo! When you're hearing this, you probably already have them because. They shipped on, like, Friday, and I didn't nice. look in my emails, and so they're, like, on their way. So oh, who knows? Exciting. Like, some a bunch of people might already have them by the time they hear this. We might have it by the time we've edited this episode and got it out. <laughs> but, yeah, the fan-curated vinyls are, are on their way right now. So I ended up picking this song because I'm like, okay, by my rule, we can't do Burden the B-Side again for, like, two or three weeks. But I really want to do a song that's, like, not just Matt Thiessen. So then I was like, okay, let me look at Matt Hoops's Wikipedia and remember what are other songs he's done. And I'm like, oh, those words are not enough. I love that song. And he sings like the sort of chorus part. Yeah. And so the, so he's at least doing some, like, he's not, he's, he wrote the song by fully. It's just, it's only credited to him. And he sings part of the lead vocals. I also wanted to mention while I was on his, while I was on Matt Hoops's Wikipedia page, I realized that the only song, and we didn't talk about this when we talked about Candlelight and Flare, the only song on Forget and Not Slow Down that isn't only credited to Matt Thiessen that has Matt Hoops also listed as songwriter is Candlelight. And oh. we didn't mention that when we did Candlelight. I didn't Because we're that. doing, so, we're so I kind of wanted to do like a Matt Hoops-centric episode, so I need to go back and correct that oversight when we did Candlelight, that this is, that Candlelight was the only song that has a, that has someone else credited. Gotcha. And it's hoops, and that's that song. So that's why I picked this song this week, is because I wanted to sort of delve into, you know, because we talk about Schneck a lot on this podcast, yep. because he's been interacting with the show. We talk about Ethan. We've, we have talked about Ethan a bunch, because, you know, the dingies, the supertones, <laughs> he's come up. We talk about, uh, who, um, we talk about Dave a lot, and we talk about Brian a lot. But we don't really talk about John Warren. Oh, that's more top of the show business. We don't really talk about John <laughs> Warren, and we don't really talk about hoops like individually that much. Right. So I was like, let's try to like get more opinions and information about them as members of the band. Other side note for top of the show business: John Warren went to see MXPX in Denver this weekend. Mm-hmm. And Jessica sent it to me. She's like, "Hey, John Warren." And John Warren doesn't tweet a lot. Yeah. And the few I don't ha- like, I have we have I have Matt Matt Thiessen's Twitter set to push notifications just in case. Yeah, he says something that I can jump in there and say like, yeah, <laughs> me too. 
but I don't have that set up for John Warren. But I'm I'm trying to like get just to be sure that I say this. I don't think we deserve attention from every member of the band. I just it's just but that doesn't mean I don't have the right to we don't have the right to try or whatever. And because John Warren doesn't seem to use Twitter a bunch. Uh, like if he's there and it's, if he's talking about MXPX and I do MXPX memes, I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity. But I also don't want to be like, hey, John, check out our show. Oh, no. The other John checks it out. <laughs> no. So I decided to like, I decided to go the non-obvious route. And oh, as Sadie Hawkins pod, I replied to John, to John Warren and I said, hey, perfect time for you to check out MXPX memes. Oh. That's not douchey. It's a joke. She's making this face like it's so bad. It's not bad. It was a joke. The joke is supposed to be, I'm not saying check out our podcast. I'm saying check out my meme page. And then as MXPX memes, I reply and I say, better question, because John Warren was like, MXPX was great tonight. I was like, better question, how is Teenage Bottle Rocket? Because they played that night. And and then he replies to MXPX memes and he says, (laughs) I missed them, boo. And I'm like... Nice. He replied to MXPX memes, but he didn't really reply to Sadie Hawkins pod. Anyway, we don't want to bother anybody. We're just doing this for us. Yeah. And you. <laughs> and you listeners. out there and our listeners. <laughs> You're who matter most. So, yeah. Anyway, we're doing this song this week because I wanted to do a Matt Hoops-centric song. So this was a song that was written by him. It's a praise and worship song. That's another reason why I was like, oh, this will work out. Nicely, because we kind of noted how The Lining is Silver was a spiritual theme that we had never realized Reliant K had sort of covered before of this, like, progressing as a Christian theme. They definitely, we knew that there would be, like, progressive Christian ideas in, like, later songs, especially. But the idea that we would find a song where he's, where Thiessen was specifically saying, let's stop judging people's sins, if that interpretation is correct. So I was like, well, let's go back to an earlier album and just find like a straight up praise and worship song. And that's what this one is. So those words are not enough. Were all those words enough to explain why we picked the song this week? I believe they were. There were an awful (laughs) lot of words. (laughs) Jessica, do you have anything you want to say about this song? I have one note about this song. Okay. I have one note this week in general. Hoops has a great pop punk voice. He should sing more. Nice. Yeah, he should. Yeah. Yeah. Totally should. So, um He sounds very pop punk. Yeah, that's what the so one of the, another reason I picked the song is this is probably this is this might be my favorite song on Anatomy of Tongue and Cheek. Oh, wow. I said it before, especially when you can see my socks had pointed out that he doesn't like like the biggest song. His his mm-hmm. least favorite songs right. on some albums are the biggest songs. I'm sort of the same way. I'm tend not to gravitate towards the big songs. But it's not that it's not just a it's not that this is a praise and worship song. It's that this is like a really awesome emotional pop rock pop punk song. Mm-hmm. I love the guitar tone. I love those two notes right before feelings inside my head when it's oh, like yeah. Dini. I love that. It, there's something so awesome and nostalgic and rocking about that yeah it is like it it's so like when pop punk sorted sort of started going towards the whole like defend pop punk wonder years thing or like the easy core like the really dramatic pop punk 
sound that exists with some bands like that, like especially the Defend pop punk type bands and the Easy Core bands, where they're like super dramatic, like I don't even know what kind of like that stuff gets really homogenous in my head mm-hmm. when it gets it when it gets into that stuff. Like some of that's okay, but when you get into too many of those Defend pop punk bands, I'm like, this isn't. This is just getting into like super dramatic it's basically like praise and worship songs except none of the except those bands aren't christian right when i think of most defend pop punk style like whatever that would be eighth wave pop punk bands like those sound like praise and worship pop punk bands but they're not actually christian bands i think because they basically take songs like this and they're like that song's awesome and dramatic i don't care that they're singing about jesus but we're gonna make our whole band sound like that and we're going to call it, right. we're going to, and we're going to be influenced by the wonder years and we're going to sound like them. So, but when you go back to the roots of it for me, like this doesn't have that super glossy, easy core defend pop punk sound. This is still like rough around the edges is not the right term, but this is still like a genuine feeling, like just guitar, not over, not dramatic, but not overly dramatic. Like they just found this guitar tone, this, this like these chords that hit this emotional feeling of sort of like like raising up of like feeling. Yes, <laughs> and that's why I love this song. He's gesturing. Yeah. So it is, however, also a praise and worship song. It's about reaching out to the Lord and saying, "Lord, you are my Father." Right. Also, when you think of actual praise and worship song songs, like especially modern praise and worship music. Like, just like Easy Core and just like Defend Pop Punk style pop punk, modern praise and worship music is so formulaic in like, it's like pop music. It's like, mm-hmm. like these modern worship bands know the formula, know the chord progressions, know the right. timing. <laughs> this is exactly when this lift comes up and this is exactly when this shift happens, right? This still to me those words are not enough feels like just a genuine rock song a genuine pop punk song that is on its own awesome that happens to be a genuine expression of praise and worship it's the only song that immediately comes to mind is every new day by five iron frenzy like that's also a praise and worship song but it's not formulaic to everything you think of when you think modern praise and worship or even praise and worship that existed in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. So that's why I think this is such an interesting, complex song in that way, where you have this awesome, nostalgic, dramatic, just like really driving, fun pop punk jam. It also happens to be lyrically a very expressive and genuine praise and worship theme that when you hear it, you could say this feels heavy handed spiritually. But then, as we'll see from some of the stuff I found, it does go over some people's heads. Like, he is saying, Father, no, I love you, know that I am wrong, blah, blah, blah. But I did find stuff online where people literally thought this was singing to their dad, right? So there's other praise and worship songs you could never mix that up because it's like, Lord, I lift your name up on high. Like, Jesus, I'm singing to you, you know? So that's why I find this such a great song and really is probably my favorite song on Anatomy of Tongue-in-Cheek. I've been talking for a really long time. Are those words enough? (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) That's okay. I've been enjoying listening to you. 
Good. That's good. Because I picked the song, so you didn't really have... You obviously didn't spend as much time thinking about this song as I have. I learned this was the song we were doing at the same time everyone else did on Twitter because <laughs> I saw Danny tweet it from the account. And that's I was like, not oh, fully okay. true. That's not fully true. I texted you in private and I said... Do you want to do? I can't. I maybe it's Maybelline. Oh, I said that's right. We could have done maybe it's Maybelline this week, but you said I can call it, and I was like, well, maybe it's Maybelline is a song that I'm sure you'll enjoy because you can talk about makeup. I was really talk about girly things. (laughs) I was really hoping he was gonna pick maybe it's Maybelline. (laughs) He's like, those words are not enough, and I'm like, oh. Great. Well, because, like I said, I was between those two songs, and then it clicked in my brain. It's like, oh, I didn't get to do the Matt Hoops thing that I've been trying to do, so let's do this song. Sorry. You could have called it. You could have totally derailed my Hoops Day again. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... This song is (laughs) A-OK. You like it okay? Yeah. I think I... uh, I used to enjoy it a little more than I think I do now. Um... Even though this was the very first Reliant K album I ever heard, uh, Anatomy has never been my favorite album. It has a lot of skip songs for me oh. on it. So right, we never actually tweeted out our tier list, but oh yeah, Anatomy is a little on the on the low end oh. for me. That's all right. Like, I, and this was a song that I did enjoy uh-huh. a lot when I was younger, but I was more of a. Sadie Hawkins, maybe it's Maybelline, pressing on kind of fan. Right. Yeah. I've uh, mixed up which booklet is the gold booklet and which booklet is the regular booklet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one's which now. They don't really say, and that's something we have to talk about this week. Oh, man, because in the credits of Two Lefts, it says gold version credits, blah, 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 blah. But you don't get that same thing in the... Like, in the anatomy one i guess one of them is an enhanced cd and one of them is not is this one an enhanced cd it doesn't say on the back this makes for great uh podcast fodder well i mixed them up so basically i grabbed our two (laughs) copies of anatomy so i could like because there's a gold edition of this yeah and and we'll talk about i guess we'll talk about that now so let's talk about the while we're talking about anatomy in general since you just mentioned it's not like your s tier it's not one of your s tier albums is at least an A tier because it does start with an A. The album starts with an A. It should be an A tier. <laughs> Way down. All right. Well, that's okay because a lot of people don't necessarily like earlier albums. I, lo- I love this album just because, like, this is when they really started kicking into gear for me. Like, in hindsight, I know that it was really mm-hmm, where they hit the mainstream. And then it was, you know, five score and seven years ago was their first fully capital re- records album and everything. But, like, you know, I was there with them from relatively soon after the first album came out. And then they, you know, then they were really touring. By the time this album came out, we're touring with Five Iron Frenzy, with Switchfoot, with all these bands, with Supertones and all that stuff. So, yeah, this is like prime Reliant K to me is Anatomy. So this brings back really good nostalgic vibes for you. Yeah. But there are a lot of songs that. Yeah, I get feelings inside my head. I don't know <laughs> what I can think about them. What are the lyrics? Um, so, uh, yeah. So let's talk about the gold versions. I had this album from the day it came out in 2001. I found out I found out pretty much in the last year that in 2006, 
they released a gold version where they remastered the album. I didn't realize this. I knew about that with Two Lefts. I knew that they did the exact same thing. Two Lefts comes out in 2003. It goes gold. And three years later in 2006, they remastered Two Lefts to, to like sort of bring it a little bit closer to their modern sound with mm-hmm and five and what was going to become five score. I didn't, I saw those on the record store shelves at the time and I was like, Oh, interesting, but I've got the album. I don't really need this. And I didn't actually properly get a gold copy of two lefts until we started this podcast. I had no idea that they had actually done the same thing with anatomy of tongue in cheek. Maybe once in a while, if I was perusing online eBay for Reliant K, I'm like, oh, what's this slipcover version of Anatomy? Oh, well. Well, then I find out, and it's you can see my socks, who really like explains it to us. And, he, and I think he explained it to us months ago, that people really don't like that in 2006, five years after the album came out, they remastered the whole album. Yeah, it seems like an odd choice. Right. But then... More specifically, what I realized, and it's the thing that makes it really tough, and I said this before, is like, look at these two CD booklets. Which one's the gold one? They're Which identical. One's the, they're identical. They're identical. And that's that's the real problem, is the gold version has the... Sl- and we've talked about this last time we talked about anatomy. But the gold version has the slipcover, and you can look at the copyright on the back of the case or on the disc, and if it says 2006, it's the gold version. But other than that... They're I- they're almost identical. Okay, like on the go- back on the back of the booklets, one they Says both have serial CD. numbers, and they, but they, one has the enhanced CD. Okay, is that the gold? I'll look the at the original? serial numbers and figure it out. <laughs> but my point is, like, so many other records by other bands when they get remastered, like the Beatles or something, like you, I don't know if you can mix up like this is the 1999 remix and this yeah. is the 2006 remix of, of Rubber Soul. Like, typically the packaging is totally redone or there's like... At least put like a gold ring around it or something. There's a gold ring around yeah. it or it actually says on there like 2006 remaster or whatever. No, this... It's like they're. It's almost like they hit it. Yeah. Like they did the. They did like the legally minimal amount of changes to the, to the packaging that, excuse me, that they could do. They should have switched up the artwork and made the the main picture color and make the little pictures at the top black. Oh, and white. that would have been interesting. <laughs> or where it says number two because it was their number two album at the top. Oh yeah, it put, put like number two point one or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the what's like the most sort of utterly confusing thing about the gold mastering of this record is it's just like it's so difficult to tell the difference so skipping ahead a little bit chronologically but basically what i figured out is that on spotify and apple music it is the gold remastering on so i'm assuming that that's it on all the streaming sites all the main subscription streaming sites it is the gold remastered 2006 version that you're hearing, which means that anytime I've listened to Anatomy of Tongue in Cheek in the last few years, I've been listening to the gold version, so I had no idea. Someone pointed out that like if you go on Sound SoundCloud, mm-hmm. you can still hear uh, original 2001 mixes of the album as they were on the 2001 CD. I couldn't stand the confusion of this anymore, so I'm like, okay, I'm buying a gold copy of the CD, and then I'm taking these CDs for myself and I'm ripping them, I'm burning them into my 
computer yeah, yeah. and I'm labeling them clearly so I know for sure what I'm listening to. So especially on YouTube, if you go to where someone has uploaded oh, right. any random song, yeah. you don't know what version. They probably yeah. don't know what version yeah. they've got, especially if Unless they, it's dated. If they somehow got this song for free... Well, I don't know if it bothers me, but I'm having a real bad time trying to figure out if it's the gold version or the original version. So there's all of that. This is a song that if you're out there and you're like, what version of the album do I own? Like I said, look at the disc itself. And if it says 2006 along the rim, you have the gold version. If it has no year along the rim, then you probably have the original version. But apparently... This song... Well, one has a white background and one has an orange background. That's in, in the, the case. Tr- in the case itself. But that's the other thing is, like, what if you had two copies? What if you bought a yeah. copy from someone who had multiple yeah. copies and they switched out the disc by mistake? Like, who knows, you know? So, um, my point is... Yeah, what was... <laughs> I, went, I just... I do wonder what was the choice in re-releasing... Like was that was it was it an issue with the rights or something? Like I don't think so because they've never had a bad situation with Goatee. Yeah. And oh, something I recently learned is that Goatee is distributed or owned by I I recently learned this and I forgot the exact details. But owned <laughs> or distributed by EMI, who are also who own or distribute capital. Oh, okay. And that's why apparently their move from Goatee to Capital was was like gotcha. was more organic because yeah. they weren't actually moving to a whole nother company. They were moving within the structure of the parent company that owned Goatee. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah, I so say. huh. I wonder what the motivation was to yeah. put out the gold. Maybe they maybe they just thought like, you know, the album wasn't mastered exactly how we wanted, so mm. we want to redo it. There's reason I'm not Who a Who are huge- they, George Lucas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a reason I'm not a huge propaganda fan. Uh, I don't have anything against them. I just haven't ever like kept up on them. But I heard recently that they like are remastering an album that's less than five years old. Because they actually weren't happy with how it went out. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, yeah. So what if it was a similar situation? Oh, well, the thing I just said about um, Capital and Goatee being part of the same parent company, I learned from this podcast. So in sort of doing this, <laughs> I've gotten away from it, but in sort of wanting to try to learn a little bit more about hoops, I listened to The Local Wave, which is a podcast, um, and they had an episode where, they, where, they intervie- where he interviewed Matt Hoops. And that's where I learned that first tidbit I said. And then it's actually a really good interview, and I didn't finish the full thing. But um, it's good because he's just giving a whole history of the band overall. Oh, cool. And he explained how they weren't super happy with, they kind of, this is what I recall Matt Hoop saying in the interview. That they weren't, and I'm paraphrasing, that they weren't super happy with the the self-titled album when it was done. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least Matt Hoops wasn't. Uh-huh. So they felt that they needed, they wanted to get the next album out there right away. And they worked really quickly and fast on Anatomy of Tongue in Cheek to get it out like less, like a year or right. less than a year later, which is sort of goes a little bit with what you were maybe saying. Like, you don't, you're not crazy about this album, but they, yeah. they did rush it out. I mean, it so, does sound better than the. It sounds way better. Yeah, it sounds like a totally professional the self-titled. Yeah, it record. Does. Like, there's, there's very little edges on yeah, this album yeah i think it's the last time we talked about that i mean, it was like early early in the podcast i think when we talked about pressing on i said how like this is a big jump up 
how the production wise like Poconaccia MXPX sounds really really rough mm -hmm. Teenage Politics still sounds pretty rough has some like big songs on it has some tight songs but as an album it has some rough edges life in general totally perfect masterpiece Green Day is also similar like their first two albums on Lookout Records I never realized for the longest time how all the rough edges on those albums. Like, I didn't think of those albums as having rough edges. But then more recently, I go back and I listen to Kerplunk and uh, <laughs> with that first album with the long name, 30 Hours, whatever it's called, um, 39 Smooth. I realize they're a little rough around the edges. Reliant K goes from one album with a really rough, with rough edges to a really well polished album. However, maybe because they rushed, because if Matt, what Matt Hoops said, they they kind of rushed it a little bit and they were never really fully happy with the production maybe they didn't have the time sometimes like time in the studio time mixing is money literally money and you just have to get done what you can get done it's exactly the same as the film industry sometimes you don't have the time mm -hmm. or the money to get the shots that you need yeah. to get everyone prepared to do the things you need to do you just need to finish it and get it out there so there could be that maybe they wanted to remaster anatomy because maybe it always kind of was clawing at them a little mm -hmm. bit like they they never were fully happy and it wasn't worth them going back to the self-titled album plus like the whole point was they were celebrating that anatomy went gold i guess off of the success of mm -hmm, oh, the, okay. the previous two albums went gold but i'm assuming that means the self-titled never went gold or if it did they just didn't make a big thing about it because i was gonna say then why bother remastering two lefts if they actually spent more time on it but like you said because it went gold maybe I just that's a big why shrug. no one saw that <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's all of that. <laughs> uh, oh, what I was going to say was this song, again, if you're like us and you're super confused, what version of anatomy, I have an anatomy CD, which version do I own? Look at the copyright. If that doesn't help, you can use this song because, uh, actually I just want to, we'll talk about when we talk about lion -O, but really strangely, lion, I am lion -O, on one version, the beginning chords are mixed all in the right channel, and in the other version, they're moved all to the other channel. Oh. You know, that's a really weird change. They were like, oh, I'm not happy with, uh, you know, did it, did it, did it, I am Lionel, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. All that's in one ear or it's in the other ear, depending on what version you have. Weird. But if you listen to those words are not enough and you skip to the end, depending, you'll. If you have the if you have an original 2001 copy, this song just flows into the next song. Uh, for the moments I feel faint, so here's the end of those words are not enough going into for the moments I feel faint from the original 2001 mix. Those words are not enough. So you got that, right? Mm -hmm. dun, dun. And then just like the next song just picks right up like on the yeah. note. It's really nice. It's kind of, it's, it's just, it's just kind of like we're, it's almost like a praise and worship service actually. Right. Yeah. You just <laughs> like phase the right next, into that the, next Yeah, you feed part, yeah. right into the next song. Well, on the gold version and the version that's on all the major streaming sites now, this is how the song ends and goes into the next song. Oh, 
they added in a fade yeah yeah but you can see my socks and a few other people on our twitter were saying like they love the total the like the 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 on the nose transition from one song to the next yeah and yeah it's almost like a praise and worship service but then this one one fades out and the next one starts up and like what was the emotional decision there it's a similar argument to uh the soccer song must have done something right (laughs) How on the final album, that song fades out, but on the early iTunes release, it cut out. You know what I mean? Remember that? It's yeah. like So it's like they, they, they did something before the before Five Score came out. They're like, oh, must have done something right. Needs to fade out in the end. For some reason, they decided need to do that. We even compared... We even compared how must have done something right would go into give, give until there's nothing left or what... Yeah. Yeah. Comparing both versions of must have done something right. Well, we just compared both versions of the anatomy, these two tracks going into each other. Personally, I like, because it's the CD I owned forever, and I didn't really fully give into streaming until like 2012. So for the first 11 years of me listening to this album, (laughs) I had a Spotify on my, I've been paying for a Spotify subscription more or less for like eight years now. So it's like, yeah, I guess that's the version I've been listening to. Then again, versions of things get taken off of Spotify and re-uploaded. So maybe, hypothetically, the non-gold version could have been on Spotify at some point. I don't know. Um, I like that that baseline, especially because that really cool baseline. You like that. You yeah. Jessica's getting into bass now because she's been playing <laughs> bass. Like you must like dun 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 dun. dun that the yeah. way it ends. Yeah, not fading out. It's cool. They have a uh, Reliant K actually has a lot of really complex bass lines. I was looking into it and I was like, oh man, as an absolute beginner, these songs are way too advanced for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was able to play a little bit of Sadie Hawkins dance and that's about it. I was listening to Jessica try to learn some songs and she's like, oh, this one's way too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing this one yet. Way too much reaching. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to talking about this actual song, <laughs> now that we've talked so much about the album and all that. Yeah, uh, hearing Matt Hoop sing, whenever there's like a, you know, there's lots of like two singer bands that I love, right? Mm -hmm. But occasionally there's a band like this, like uh, the Get Up Kids or uh, basically bands where there's a lead singer, but once in a while somebody else, Five Iron Frenzy, once in a while somebody else sings a song. So Fiber and Frenzy, Get Up Kids, oh, the uh, Google Dolls, actually. A lot of people don't realize that a couple of songs on their earlier albums aren't sung by uh, the main guy there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I, you know, I kind of wish Ryan K had more songs like that. I, I know that it's mostly Tyson singing this song, but hearing Hoops take that part is cool. And yeah. I, I wish that that kind of stuff would happen more in Ryan K. Um, it's funny because their voices do sound so similar. Like it always mm-hmm. kind of like, it's almost like it's kind of for me, like reverb. <laughs> this is a really <laughs> random thing, but sometimes I won't, th- I'll, if a song has a lot of reverb or it has no reverb, I notice that. Right. Sorry. I was rubbing my hands and Jessica's like, please stop rubbing your hands. Yeah. Uh, 
if a song has a lot of reverb or no reverb or it cuts in and out between those, I'll notice it. But I never actually like think to myself, I noticed that. <laughs> It'll just kind of be there and I don't think about it. And if you ask me, does that song have a lot of reverb? I'd be like, maybe. And then I'd listen to it. You know what I mean? Similar to this. If you said, if for a long time, if you said, Matt Hoops, who sings the chorus? I'd be like, I don't think it's Tyson. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I realized I would must it Matt Hoops. And I always just kind of assumed it was Matt Hoops singing. And then you can see my socks had a bunch of notes, which I should probably bring up about this song. You can see my socks had a bunch of notes on this song. And that was one that he confirmed, which I had assumed was that Hoops was singing all the chorus mm-hmm. stuff. There's other bands like Fishbone. Actually, I thought of a, a Fishbone. Like everyone thinks Angela Moore is the singer of Fishbone, and that's true now, but there were more lead singing parts in earlier Fishbone albums up until mm-hmm. Give a Monkey a Brain. Like all of their previous albums had would have them all trading off singing parts. Angelo sang probably sixty percent. And oh, now wow. he's saying now when they're singing yeah. live, he has to do all those parts. But then you listen to an earlier Fishbone album, and if you're not thinking to yourself, this is not just Angelo singing you might realize, okay, that doesn't exactly sound like Angelo, but still probably mentally in your head you're imagining that's Angelo singing. Also, it took me a long time. Same thing on the first, well, the first big Big D and the Kids Table album, Good Luck. Not their first album, their second, yeah, that's their second album, but their first major national release. There's a second guy singing some parts on that album. That's not just Dave. Oh. And you kind of don't realize it until you're paying attention. Yeah. So that's sort of something that happens. Like, unless you're... Mark Coppice and Tom DeLonge with very distinctive voices. (laughs) Sometimes if you're two people singing parts together, especially like, or like John and John and They Might Be Giants. Like, I can tell the difference between John Flansburgh and John Ronnell. But some people can't. Jessica can't. A lot of people can't. There's just certain bands where maybe just, (laughs) maybe it's just like being together and singing together. You just kind of find this harmonious center where your voices kind of just have this similar quality. So most people will just kind of think it sounds very similar. Because when I hear Hoop singing on this, I'm like, I know that's not Tyson. Because it's not quite as melodic. He's a little bit more flat. I mean, you and I have been married for 10 years and we sound identical now. Yeah, can anyone tell? Everyone <laughs> everyone thinks this is just one crazy guy talking to himself yep. into a microphone. Um, so let me just see if I can get some of you can see my socks' uh, notes on this. You can see my socks. <laughs> you can see all of my socks. So let's see if I can get some of his notes on this song. Oh, we've had a lot of recent new people listening on Twitter. A lot of people, or at least new people on the Twitter, because I'm having to go way back to find these notes. Thanks for listening, or at least reading our Twitter. Yes. <laughs> okay. Almost there. So, um. Welcome, new listeners. Don't you love Collapsible Lung? Oh, these are, these are, uh, you can see my socks talking about the gold versions. These are not about the song. <laughs> Oh, he said that that the gold version is truly the Han shot first of the CCM world. <laughs> the gold album debate, debates. Um, okay. Can we? Uh, you can see my sock says. Can we all just agree that the original version, where at the end the guitar rings out while the bass gets a solo at the end, and then goes right into for the moments, is the better is better than the gold version, which has the lame looped fade out? Yeah, I totally. I agree. Um, that's the change that's probably the most egregious of either of the gold discs. Um, 
I know that there was more comments here somewhere. <laughs> David Ketch, how many times did Danny say you can see my socks in this episode? My guess right now is six to seven. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's our intern. Yeah. So he counts these he things He knows up. what's up. Uh, and I think that's the main comment he had about the song. I think the rest was all the gold discussion. And then making he was making sure that we knew... It's written by and sung by Matt Hoops. So, yeah. Oh, real quick, going back to... I had I ripped this moment from this podcast, The Local Wave, where Hoops talks about... And, you know, we're learning more about the history of the band, where Hoops talks about the history of how mm-hmm, got picked up by Capital. And I remember this from oh, the time. Cool. So let's hear... And I, can, I have a story specifically about talking to Matt Hoops in real life for, for myself that relates to this line that I ripped out of uh, this this minute that I ripped out of the Local Wave podcast. So it was kind of funny on the mm-hmm record, uh, right around that time, Goatee Records had sold their record label to EMI, hmm. who also owned Capital. Oh, okay. And so what happened was we put out the record, uh, and then someone at Capital, I think it was Andy Slater, who was the president of Capital at the time, made a call and wanted to move us over. So what happened was we never signed a different deal with Capital. We operated under our same deal because both companies were under EMI. Right. Uh, and they actually, when when all the paperwork went through, it was about three weeks after the album came out. So the first copies of the record don't say Capital. Oh, really? Uh, Didn't know that. And when I first seen a Capital logo on one of our records, it was almost like, what does this even mean? Like we haven't spoken with anyone, you know, like we don't, we don't know what's going on even over there. And so finally we met with some people over there and met our A&R guy who was great. And we met, you know, uh, just different, different people over there. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. And I remember this. I remember really well because I recall "Mm -hmm" coming out or the lead up to "Mm -hmm" happening and now I got to go look at my copy of them and see if it doesn't have capital on there. I don't think mine does. You have you? Oh, you have a separate one too, yeah. right? Okay. So, um, yeah, I just remember because I'd been with following Reliant K forever and bought mm-hmm as soon as it came out, and then I remember seeing all of a sudden this album that I'd already been listening to and I'd already seen John Warren on stage playing with the band. That you know Brian had already left, and then all of a sudden there's mm-hmm, being distributed and played on regular radio and I'm seeing it on video shows and stuff at the time. I don't yeah. know if it was on TV, but I'm seeing it in other places. I'm like, this is crazy. That And the album's already been out. And because we have new listeners, <laughs> I don't know. Jessica and I, I have, just to backtrack and explain this again, sorry to our people who have been listening. But when Jessica and I met, she was like, oh, you know, my favorite band's Reliant K. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. And I'm like, sure, I've heard of Reliant K. I'm friends with Reliant K. <laughs> and the truth was, like, I was just, like, a fan who they graciously remembered my name every time they'd come through and see us all the time. And they'd give, us, they'd give me and my friends a ton of time to talk to, to them. We'd ask them questions, and we'd just have conversations with them. And it was amazing. And in a way, I considered them my friends because they were always coming through on those first three and a half albums you know, up through, mm-hmm. And then the last time I had an in-real-life conversation with a member of Reliant K in that way that I'd always thought and expected to happen was Warp Tour 2005. 
And between the last time I had seen Reliant K, which I think was at the Axis in Boston, like right as Mm -hmm came out or right before it was going to come out. And I know Warren was there that night. Um, So it must have been after. Uh, He... We're, we missed Reliant K. We didn't get to the Warp Tour in time to see actually to see Reliant K play that night that that morning at Warp Tour. So like, oh, that sucks. And then we go to see May perform, and then Hoops is just standing there in the crowd. <laughs> and we and then me and my friend Johnny go up to him. And we're like, hey, and he's like, hey, and he reckon you know he still recognized us at the time, and that was awesome. And it's like we were like, how you doing? And all we missed your show and all that you know whatever. And they're like, hey, so uh, you're being you're on a major label now. And he said exactly what he just said to this interviewer. <laughs> this is the interview from 2016. Yeah. In 2005, Matt Hoops said the exact same thing to me, basically, there in the crowd at May at Warped Tour. He's like, yeah, it just happened. <laughs> he was like, yeah, this just happened. I didn't know. And, and like hearing him say it again, I'm like, I guess it's true. And that makes total sense now. So apparently what I was saying was a little off. Goatee Records sells their, themselves to EMI. EMI also owns Capital, so they're now all a part of one record company, and they just kind of graduate up to Capital Records. And it happened that way. I remember, like, "Mm mm-hmm. And this also happened in a way with um, MXPX. When they got signed to A&M, their first release with A&M Records after leaving Tooth & Nail was to re-release Life in General, Mm. with an A&M Records logo on the back. But Life in General had been out a lot longer before AM, 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 A&M re-released it with the A&M logo on the back. It sounds like, although you know, I would not remember the time frame of this personally, what Hoops is saying, it was just a matter of weeks between the first Goatee Records-only copies of Mm-hmm and then them being redistributed by Capital. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now we're way off the song, but I feel like I said everything I wanted to say about the song. Great worship song, great pop-punk jam. I love it. Yeah, I mentioned how it reminds me of Every New Day. I love the two notes, Over the Feelings Inside My Head. Um, oh, are you going over your notes right now? I yeah. thought you were going over song meanings for a second, and I was like, oh, I have song meanings. Oh, you too. should do the song meanings, <laughs> and I think I said everything I need to say. The last note I have is about a fan video, so we'll wait till we actually talk okay. about the fan video. <laughs> Cringe, K-R-Y-N-G-E, 18 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow Wowie, wow, wow. Said, I dig this line, I lay my life before you and I'm not getting up. Then 17 years ago, K-A-I-J-A commented, yeah, I'd absolutely love this song, except it takes a weird twist at the end and relates to God. Oh, if only Reliant K wasn't so religious. Oh, well, they're still a great band. I would argue it doesn't take that twist at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue that it take, takes that twist from the very beginning. Immediately. Like, did, did this person again think they're just singing about their dads? It does not. It I, ha- I don't remember if I said by. this. I don't remember if I tweeted this from City Hawkins Potter MXPX memes, but I had a joke once that said like, and this was recently, and I was probably thinking of this song. I had a tweet where I was like, imagine having no idea what Christian punk is and then finding a bunch of CDs where some punk bands just seem to really love their dads. (laughs) Well, Danny Girl, I guess, posted in response to the previous commenter and said the whole song is about God, not just the end part. (laughs) This is such an awesome worship song. I'll put this on in my room and just sing along. See, Eighteen years apart, two different Dannys had the exact same <laughs> thought on this person's comment. 
B underscore 612 underscore 27 said 17 years ago, Reliant K is awesome, but I wish they would stick to either religious or not instead of mixing it up. I would prefer that they do both. Yeah. I don't. Interesting. Interesting take. <laughs> yeah, I like how because most people are like, I wish you'd stay religious and stop with these secular songs of this person. It's like, just do one or the other, please. No more being lukewarm. <laughs> lukewarm like a boss. <laughs> I don't think it would be lukewarm to have songs that are Christian and have songs that are not Christian. It's just that's what an artist does. Artists sing about different things, unless you're praise and worship, and then your music has a specific venue purpose. Streaks in the Sky 423 17 years ago commented, Just got home from seeing them at Fallout 2002 in Allentown. They are so awesome. That buffalo at the end. Ha ha. <laughs> anyway, yeah. When they play this, when they played this song, I was just like so in awe. It's been my favorite song since Anatomy came out. Tonight when they sang the words, I'm still trying twice as hard to satisfy myself on my own. It meant a lot because I know I try so hard to make myself happy by myself, but I should really be putting it in God's hands. And then when they went right into For the Moments I Feel Faint, amazing. Uh, I love them. If any of you are on Fallout, I am me at John AIM (laughs) name. John's AIM name. Which is no longer around. So that confirms that this song has been played live because I did not find any live videos on YouTube. Oh, wow. Um, But, you know, I've said it before with the first two albums specifically, I have very clear memories of certain songs being played that there's no longer, like, real evidence of those songs online. Kickoff was the number one one that we actually figured out. Like, it doesn't say definitively Kickoff has been played anywhere, but then someone sent us a video of Kickoff being played at Soul Fest 2002. I thought you were, I thought it was going to be like this person from Allentown was like, when I listened to that song, I forgot about how they're closing all the factories down. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> well, you were reading so quickly, I couldn't fit it in edgewise. We didn't really talk about the lyrics because I think we were like, oh, this is a praise and worship song mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, um, I did have a thought on that and I forgot to mention it, that this song is like about, I laid my life before you, I'm not getting up, how are you? It's twice as hard to realize, this is the line I want to talk about, when it's twice as hard, and this is what Hoops sings, when it's twice as hard to realize that I'm still trying twice as hard to satisfy myself on my own, and I'm still waiting for things to change. I think that's a great lyric, and because it applies to the Christian way of thinking, and I totally, and I, and because especially back when this album came out, I would totally understand this as a something about God, about giving your life to God and like not trying to, not trying to satisfy yourself on your own and going, you know, through your faith to try to find satisfaction in life and try to find a purpose in life through God. Um, as I have more and more friends who are, you know, whether they're ex-Christian or sort of reformed Christian or sort of like progressively leaning away from like mainline thoughts and stuff, I can still look at this line and say and think that it is still a valuable life lesson, whether or not you actually want to think of it as God or whatever. I do sometimes still think of it as God. I'm not like, I'm not, I do, I'm not an ex-Christian. I'm, I am more progressive as a Christian than I ever was previously in my life. But the point is like, 
I don't care if you don't if you're not a Christian. I don't care if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your personal savior or any of that. If you're only trying to be the only person to fix your life and being the only person and you think that you're like Walter White and you're the you're the one in control of your ultimate destiny, like you're going to be disappointed. It has nothing to that has that that sentimentality has nothing necessarily just to do with Christianity. Like if you're the only one if you're going out there and trying to get everything that you want in your life all by yourself and you think you're in complete control, you're not. Because whether it's God or not, or just the random chaos of the world, like things will always set you back. And I, and I kind of think like that might be something that's a good lesson in Christianity. And again, I see this viewpoint from a number of different friends and family who have changed their faith in the last few years. But I just think like you need to, something that's kind of good that Christianity teaches you is you can't control everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the focus of the Christian faith is that God is in control, right? And I do still believe that in certain ways, not in exactly the same way that I was taught when I was a kid, not in exactly the same way that, you know, I might have thought even 18 years ago. But the point is like, it's a lesson that I think every human being in the world needs to realize is that like, no matter what your plans are, you need to like go with the flow because things might go in another direction and there might be something else. If you just go with that direction, that's even better than what you were imagining. And you, it's like, like there's so many analogies. I was about it's to like be, the lining is silver. It's like the lining is silver. I was going to do a stupid white water rafting analogy. Like, it's like a white water rafting. You never know where quite you're going to go. Because you're going this way, you're going that way. If you're with a guided tour, you better hope you're going the way that <laughs> well, the guide knows. Yeah, I don't want to be like Ernest Borgnine in The Simpsons and <laughs> end up in the middle of nowhere in an abandoned summer camp. Uh, did you have any more song meanings? Because I kind of derailed to talk about my thoughts. <laughs> no, on that's great. I I I love that. Um, Puddle is wet. Said I really like this band, and I'm really annoyed by people who keep calling them inconsistent and flaky Christians. Are any of us perfect? Do you really think that anyone can produce an album that didn't have a few errors? Also, just because God, just because, way? just because they aren't singing God rocks, God rocks, God rocks, doesn't mean they don't have praising God in mind. They like to sing about stuff that is happening in all of our lives, and they put a moral spin on it. Girls, cars, college, jobs, etc. This is life, people. Anyways, there is my rant. Don't be a critical Christian. Later days, kiddos, and God bless. Yeah. Such a pointless argument. It was such a pointless argument. Um, in that same local wave interview that I was listening to, like uh, Hoops did talk a little bit about something we were wondering where they made that decision basically with Capital, where they're like, we're, we're done playing church shows and we're giving up a lot of money to do that. I remember Five Iron Frenzy says something similar in their uh, documentary. It's like, you know, we're a band and we're going out there to be a band. Mm -hmm. And if we lead people to Christ because of it, that's part of the reason we started being a band, but we're just we're a band we're mm -hmm. not yeah there, there was no point really in being there and now now i'm reading between the lines of what i heard hoops say and i didn't save this clip but i'm reading between the lines of what he was saying is like there's no point being a band and just literally preaching to the choir <laughs> like go out there go out into the world go on tours 
spread the message, spread your music. Like that's the point of being a band. And it's just, it seems kind of, it's basically like, you know, like the early Christian, and I only know a little bit about this, but like the early Christian punk bands, like Alter Boys and Undercover, like they were, they were hated by churches because it's like, what are you doing? Or the early Christian metal bands, I'm I'm sure, especially, Mm -hmm. I don't even know their names. Like they were hated by Christian churches because they're like, this is evil music and you're trying to pretend you're Christian and steal our kids away. And then slowly people realize like, and I I learned a little bit on the Tooth and Nail podcast. It's like Southern California was like a lot of the churches here seem to be more accepting of that idea that this is a ministry tool where we're meeting people in the world with this music. And then you have a next generation of kids who were raised with that music on both sides, the secular and the Christian side. And they're like, I want to start a Christian band, but I'm more interested in actually being a band, not necessarily mainly a ministry tool. Like sure. I'll also do ministry because that seems to be what's expected of me, but really they just want to have a band and they believe what they believe and they're going to write these lyrics and they're going to have. And so it was like a progression over time because then you still had in the two thousands people that still couldn't understand how can this band be Christian if they're singing about khaki pants? Khaki pants are not mentioned in the Bible. It's like, well, no, because they're a band. They're started as a band, and they also can be used as a tool for ministry, and they can also play churches, but they're mainly also a band. And then, like, eventually 50% of the bands at Warped Tour are Christian because it's just more and more Christian kids starting bands, and those walls of, like, expectations start to break down because there's just too many bands out there. And then eventually where we are probably now with the Christian, with the quote unquote Christian entertainment world is like Christianity is so intertwined into mainstream culture in some ways or artists that are Christian. They're just, they're Christian, but they don't, I don't know. I'm losing track of what I'm saying. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny that you said about how some churches didn't embrace like Christian metal, right? That they didn't like it because, and I, I talked about this like I don't know a couple months ago, I think, mm-hmm. where I mentioned that I have a striper patch on my right. uh, jean jacket, right. and my chiropractor was like, "Oh, that's a cool striper patch. <laughs> like, how do you know who striper is? Like, you're right. too young to know who they are." And I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh, I, you know, I like a lot of like hair metal and stuff like that." He said, and he told me that he actually bought their first album from his church. Uh-huh. Like, they were selling the vinyl records of. Right. The Striper album at his church one Sunday. Yeah. And he picked it up because he liked the artwork or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> um, I have one more okay. song meaning to, okay. to read you. It's from Miss Lottie Da, which I feel like Miss Lottie Da has been a commenter on song meanings that I've read before. Well, Lottie Da. Uh, 15 years ago, Miss Lottie Da said, oh, man, this is my favorite song they've ever done out of all four CDs. Ah, probably just an appreciation for it because they actually got the chorus, I guess, from a boring Catholic hymn, Father, I adore you, and I lay my life before you, how I love you. Hmm. I don't uh, think I realized that. Uh, sorry, man, I love this song, though. I'm never, I've never gotten sick of it. And then they said Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Okay. Yeah, is their sign off. <laughs> it looks like they're, qu- oh, it's their sign off, because it looked like they're quoting Ephesians Two, eight, nine with, eh, sorry. Because <laughs> that's the way it's laid out. It looks like that's the quote. 
It looks like that's the so Bible. So I don't know if they got I if Hoops got this from an old Catholic hymn or not, but yeah. Well, Five Iron Frenzy stole the lyrics to whatever that song is, that big hit off their first album. It's late. I can't think straight. <laughs> <laughs> bless Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Bless him through, through oh, yeah. all blessings flow. There's a whole chorus to one of their songs. It's just that. <laughs> gotcha. They didn't write those words. <laughs> uh, so It's transformative. It's all good. Yeah, it's your fair fair use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think the Bible comes in under fair use, Dan? <laughs> Do you think when you quote the Bible on YouTube, you're like, no copyright intended? <laughs> and then God's like, can't go after them legally. They said no copyright intended. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't find a single video of the band themselves playing this live. Bummer. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep saying this until probably the podcast is over, <laughs> but I need to get that VHS tape and see what's on there. Yeah. And we do have that footage that was sent to us by a fan that they asked us, uh, I'm sorry, a fan, of that footage of, of Soul Fest 2002 that was sent to us by a listener that they asked us not to upload ourselves, and I could have looked if it was in there. The only thing that sort of has original uh, uh, official audio that I felt, felt was worth bringing to the show was someone uploaded this song on their own. With It only has 29 views. Um, it was uploaded in 2012. <laughs> I'm going to wait till you're done sipping just in case you want to do a spit take. Um, and oh, it's no. just a slideshow of hot air balloons. <laughs> Why didn't they choose balloon ride? I know. <laughs> And I picked this because recently Jessica was like, I've been seeing so much hot air balloon artwork in the world recently. It's coming back. Yeah, it started with... It's really weird. We were catching up on last season of Better Call Saul before the new season started. And when... Spoilers for season four of Better Call Saul. (laughs) When he gets a a job at a phone, phone seller for a little bit, they just have like artwork of balloon, of hot air, a giant picture of hot air balloons on their back wall. And Jessica's like, and one of them says Remax on it. Right. And she's like, do you think they shot this at a Remax office and changed it into a place? I'm like, I don't know. It just looks like a big, it just looks like a big stock photo. Yeah, balloon race. And Remax sponsored one of the balloons. And I guess they. That's their thing. Yeah. But I don't know if it was a real phone store in the Better Call Saul episode or if they built it from the ground up. But I think they used a stock, whoever it was, used a stock photo of a balloon race that happened to have a Remax logo in it. And Jessica's like, that's just so weird. She thought it was so weird. It did. But also, I've and seen a lot of other yeah. hot air balloon art out and about recently. I've, and I rem- that's a thing that I definitely remember from being a kid. Just like all those like Easter pastel colors on uh-huh. hot air balloon imagery as a child. And I've been saying that when we do the song Balloon Ride, we need to be broadcasting from above uh. a hot air balloon. <laughs> from above a hot air yeah, balloon, yeah, not we inside need to be, of it. We need to be on the top of yeah. the balloon. So there you go. Hot air balloons set to this song. This song is so good. It's and I'm sorry good. if, like, I'm sorry if, if... Oh, listen to that. That's so... Those two notes are so good. This is just such a it's just such an awesome song. I just love this song. And if it's like if the message feels heavy to people or if they're not even interested in it because they don't like worship music, I'm sorry. I don't even necessarily think of this as a worship song. I just think of this as a really awesome 
rock song. It's just so good. Pop punk song. Um, that's it. There's no live video, no live stuff that I thought of. We haven't seen Lakeisha Kruger in a while. Oh, there we go. So here's Lakeisha Kruger's non-version. <laughs> Again, with their same intro. Yep. So let's sing along to Lakeisha Kruger's version of the song. Oh, boy. K is for karaoke, after <laughs> yeah, all. Right. Feelings inside my head. I don't know, but I'm thinking about you. Ooh, yeah. Understand uh, uh. that it's so hard to tell you. All those feelings, but baby. You are- oh, the lyrics changed. Wait, what? <laughs> so Keisha Kruger is like stock music that's fakely labeled as a lyric video for different songs that was a great 90s getting it on jam and i like it i'll be revisiting that later thank you lakeisha kruger well i guess we're in covers now so here is dartmouth college doing an acapella version of the song oh i'm sorry what song is this it's the right song. Is it? Those words are not enough. Yeah, it is. It totally is. I swear. I swear you're about to hear it. It is kind of weird. They're like, ja, da, ja, ja, da, 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 da. The intro doesn't, it doesn't sound quite. The quite... syllables there, yeah. and I, I hear it. And you'll hear it when you hear the actual lyrics. But yeah, like the vocalization, like what the, the syllables they're choosing to represent the music right. are a bit odd. <laughs> I don't understand why they're like, jern, jern, shirt. (laughs) Sounds like they're saying jern. I don't know. Isn't acapella, like, you're not supposed to sound... I I guess I don't know enough about acapella music. Yeah. But is there, like, a word for... I don't know if these words are enough. But is there a word for acapella music where the instrumentation that they're doing is represented with, like, syllables that sound like words? Because they're going jern, shirt. It sounds like they're saying something, but they're just doing... The guitar parts. Danny, is there ska capella? Definitely. There's gotta be, right? Absolutely. Like... Absolutely, for sure. There is an a cappella song on one of uh Real Big Fish's albums. Nice. Um so you know what? Side sidebar. Sidebar for me, <laughs> Your Honor. Um The way that Blink 182's self unentitled album is majorly influenced by Boxcar Racer. Their unentitled album? Yes, their self-unentitled album. <laughs> their 2003 album is majorly influenced by the side project that happened in between albums, Boxcar Racer. Uh, Real Big Fish's album, Cheer Up, is majorly influenced by Scott Klompenstein's... He, he's the... Oh! Real Big Fish is another band that has two lead singer that has two lead singers where you don't really think of it. Up until Scott left the band, like Scott would sing a couple of songs. He'd sing like, I don't know, 20% of the song. That's another good example. So, but, but then mostly you think of Aaron as the lead singer of Real Big Fish. But Scott, like I said, would sing a couple of songs here and there on each album up until he left the band. And then eventually now Aaron just sings all, if, if they play a Scott song, Aaron sings it. Point is the album Cheer Up by Real Big Fish is majorly, um, 
influenced by Scott's side project from the time, Littlest Man Band. Like when you, if you know Littlest Man Band, which was sort of like a, it had horns, but it wasn't a ska band. It was kind of like a jazzy, like slightly experimental, had some like jazzy element type of band. And then you listen to the Littlest Man Band album, you listen to Cheer Up by Rubik Fish, you're like, oh, it's exactly the same as how Boxcar mm-hmm. Racer influenced Big uh, Blink-182. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just let's skip ahead a little bit to hear some proper parts of uh, this Dartmouth College cover. No, but I'm thinking about you. Understand. It's just so hard to tell you. acapella <laughs> yeah that wasn't some of that wasn't great i don't know when i'm gonna p- peek behind the curtain sometimes when we listen to a cover in the room i'll change what i actually drop in i don't know what i'm going to drop in there because some sections of that song sound really rough maybe i went in and looked for the slightly better part and that sounds like we're being critical but there's some parts in there that don't sound great something about acapella just grates on my like very <laughs> last nerve and i don't know what it is it's just apologies to any uh, like acapella groups listeners like whatever Scott from out Real there. Big Fish yeah sorry <laughs> oh I remember what the acapella song is by Real Big Fish it's just New York New York they do a cover of New York New York yeah. if I can make it there I can make it anywhere and it's just a vocal acapella cover I'm like okay this is in the middle of a Real Big Fish CD <laughs> I'm not saying that acapella can't be good I'm just saying that it's not my jam it's not your jam, which it's is the opposite of that bonus track from Collapsible Lung. It's not my jam. Other, other things Jessica hates. <laughs> they should really fish, really fish. It's another band with an R-E at the beginning of the name. Relying K should come out with a song called That's Not My Jam about the songs they don't like. Yeah. Um, so here, I don't know how well you can hear this because it's recorded in a room, but they're on a big praise and worship like church sanctuary stage. And this band, who aren't named, this is uploaded by Chantic246, C-H-A-N-T-I-K-246, in 2009, uploaded this, like, band of, you know, young kids, Yep. 11 years ago, who they're probably not young kids anymore, Nice. playing a full band version, and this is so mid-2000s, because they got a little moogie synth going on there, oh. like their um, <laughs> Motion City soundtrack. <laughs> Inside my head, I don't 
So Jessica was like, "Oh, the recording is rough. They sound a little... Yeah, you know, they were just jamming out. They did Good not sound them. great. They were having fun. But they were having fun. And that is so mid-2000s. <laughs> that moogie synth sound. My fa- That is just such a mid-2000s thing. And my favorite band with that sound is called The Know How. And they're a ska band from Gainesville, Florida, just like Less Than Jake. And I was file trading, music file trading uh, friends with their keyboardists. <laughs> I would cheer. He was a total music pirate. Like bef- like after Napster, but before Torrent, you would use FTPs. I'm not going to d- explain how they work. You would use a thing called FTPs to trade files directly between computers of people you met online. And I became friends with the keyboardist of the know-how and check them out. They're a ska band that have a Moog synth and they're awesome. Uh, and I used to pirate music with their keyboardist. So let's see what else we have. For but Danny, yeah. Danny, would you steal a car? Yes, I would. <laughs> and I have. I stole a car on my way to watch a pirated copy of a movie I had downloaded. Um, I wrote down dashboard confessional worship style to this person who uploaded, his name is Sparthers, Sparthers, uh, has 1,000.2, thousand views, and this is his acoustic cover. Feelings inside my head. I don't know when I'm thinking about you. Is that weird? Like, yeah, there's a lot of room. There's a lot of room noise. Okay. Nobody recorded super well. Even the Dartmouth College didn't have a great recording, (laughs) even though it sounds like they were in the studio. That last band, it's like. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like. This guy's on his webcam and he has a lot of background chat, a lot of background noise. I was worried it was something on our end, but okay. No, there's like a beeping and then there's like, sounds like there might be crickets and there's a fan. It's very nice. That's the really nicest nice, cover yeah. we've heard yet, but it just recorded very badly yeah, on a very webcam. Pre- it was very pretty, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a song that you can for sure slow down and like do like a nice, pretty. Yeah, I wish there were of. some more covers because that's yeah. actually the last cover. Oh, wow. There's not a good selection of covers this week. Uh, there's a guitar cover and a drum cover, but those don't really count. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's it. That's really stinks because I love this song so much. Yeah. And there's one good cover and it's recorded very badly. 
the acapella one is fun and interesting. It's just not great. And then the other two. Oh, yeah. And then Lakeisha Kruger. So there aren't even right, four covers. Yeah. There's three covers and Lakeisha Kruger track. <laughs> I'm totally losing track of what I'm saying. So this. So on to fan stuff. And I've got four videos here. So. Let's just summarize. Ship I normally, video? Ship video? Mm, sort of. Oh. But not really. Oh. Um, so, let's see. We have... This the, would be a weird ship video. I, like, just realized yeah, what I Yeah, exactly. Was that's why I'm going to... That's why there is sort of one, but not exactly. So, one of... Oh, yeah. Girl overacts while lip syncing to a bunch of Iran K songs. Images from an anime. And someone's roller coaster tycoon footage. That's basically what I found overall. <laughs> nice oh my gosh roller coaster tycoon like top 10 video games of all time so good well and let's do that before i show you the pseudo shipping video so my second crazy coaster says roller coaster guy one on youtube this has 39 views was uploaded on april 30th 2010 this is roller coaster tycoon 3 it's nice okay. because YouTube will tell you specifically what game footage you're watching. And here we go. Oh, wow. You can actually ride it. I This is a much we're, more yeah, advanced version. We're cresting of, over yeah. the edge of... And we're... F- <laughs> I love that they Oh, actually, right into like a corkscrew. Nice. They set the time for the, the yeah, they rise did. and the fall of the... And the like the beat kicking in of the song. Oh, wow. This is a way more advanced version of Roller Coaster Tycoon than what I was playing. You know, it'd be amazing like a roller coaster church. <laughs> Think about yes. it for a second. Everyone puts on like special headphones that stay on your head no matter what happens with the roller coaster. It, it could be like, remember at Disney Quest, they had you you make your own roller coaster. You design yeah. your own one where you're inside so you could pick like the music and stuff. I guess that would be the most safe to have everyone inside like a castle. And then you, that, could, de- you could decide how many upside downs you wanted and stuff. But like, wouldn't the worship, the, the roller coaster worship be more <laughs> like... What's the word? I don't even know. Like, More spiritual if you're actually out in the air in this, in, you know. Yes. Like, this is the idea. So, Dan, you could have one of those, like, like as you're strapped in against the back, the headrest, you yeah. would have little speakers That's there. a better idea than the headphones. Yeah, because the go. headphones can fly off. Little yeah. speakers at yeah. your head, and you hear the worship song. And, like, the worship song... <laughs> It's like, Lord, I lift your name on high, and then you're going, you're falling, woo! You love to sing the praises. I don't know a lot of worship songs. Wow, how did we get here? Like, Roller Coaster Tycoon oh my gosh. 3 with footage <laughs> with set to this song. Okay. It's a great idea because you put your, think about it. This is why I thought of it. When you're praising and worshiping, you put your hands up. When you're on a roller coaster, you put your hands up. This is not sacrilegious because what I'm thinking is you're listening to praise and worship song and songs and especially timed out to like the rise and falls and loops of the song, right? And like you're thinking about God and you're praising the Lord and you're flying through his creation and you're feeling the wind in your face and the excitement. I love it. This is a great idea. Danny, this is your million dollar idea. This is a fantastic idea. Like imagine if like just a big Christian corporation like you know, bought Knott's Berry Farm or something. And it could like, be at the Holy Land experience in Orlando. That's, there you go. <laughs> if, 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 
they could put in a roller coaster. Yeah, I'd I don't never think they went have the that. room for that. Yeah, I I went to it once. It was not by and my I've choice. Heard, I knew when we lived in California, we, we lived in Florida. I knew multiple people who talked about problematic stuff and oh. problems there. So I, <laughs> I wouldn't sell it to them. I'd start my own Christian worship. No, it's not a theme park. It's roller coaster worship. It's really- you don't go. To- what, what is the Sunday school? It's in like the teacups. <laughs> this is a fantastic idea. Um, How about the nursery? Is that like a small world type situation? Yeah. 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 Um, so the so last thing, because the other two videos, one I can play some other time because it's a collection of someone lip syncing to different songs. Uh, and the other one is just footage just pictures of an anime it's not even a proper amv this is a lord of the rings music video of the character faramir which i meant to like look up on the which is so i guess i'm not deep with lord of the rings like once you get past the original fellowship of the i mean i know more or less what happens for all of frodo and sam's story and Aragorn and all that stuff. But then when they start meeting all those other characters in, like, other places, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I read all right. those books. Right. I saw all those movies. But when the characters who are introduced in the second and third movie, I'm like, I, I don't know. You I should ask know. your mom. She knows a lot about Lord of the Rings. We That's mentioned right. that last we talked week, about it. We talked about yeah. Sonic. See, Sonic was my Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. I said that, and the world has heard it now. So I don't really know what... I don't really know about the character of Faramir... And Denethor, Denethor, Denethor. I don't know. These are like secondary B characters as far as I'm concerned in the later movies. And I definitely don't know them from the books. Um, Sorry. 2006, this video was uploaded by Golden Archer. Um, And I guess it has to do something with the fact that the character is a father or... (laughs) Oh, and the co- the clips are all copyright New Line Cinema, by the way. Okay. So, it's a music video about this character, and I guess it has something to do with the fact that he has a father or he is a father. <laughs> I don't really know. It's very dramatic. I've seen a lot of Reliant K oh, music that's videos. that guy. I know that yeah. actor. He's in stuff. That's Wormtongue. I know who that is. Um, is, is that his father? No, that's not Wormtongue. I'm sorry. I guess that's his father. I don't really know. Maybe I need to rewatch these movies. You know, <laughs> the three Hobbit movies really were. All us Hobbit heads know that the three Hobbit movies were really Peter Jackson's greatest achievement in cinema. So I don't know anything about this, but why I thought it was funny. Oh, sorry. And I was saying, like, I see, I found a lot of, over the months we've been doing this, a lot of Narnia music videos. And this looks like Narnia stuff to me when I hear Relying K. I'm (laughs) like, is this Narnia? No, it's Lord of the Rings. Um, So uploaded, this was uploaded in October 2006 by Golden Archer. And then in their description was just song. Those words are not enough by Relying K. Faramir character video. That's it. But then they wrote, edit. Stop giving me shit about God. (laughs) This is the uploader talking now. <laughs> Edit. Don't give me shit about God. I don't care what you think the song is supposed to be about. This is my interpretation. If you have something Fair. to say about religion, don't say it to me. 
I'm pagan. Okay. Okay. Fair See? enough. So this is totally, someone could hear this song and just think it's about a father to his son. Yep. Father, no, I love you. Happy winter solstice. Exactly. Or, I don't know. <laughs> so looking at some other comments. Now, I don't know. Chrissy Lay. So this video is so old that it doesn't have the pro- proper, like, tree structure of right. replies and comments <laughs> yeah so you see someone's reply to someone's comment that that's not connected so you don't know what they're replying to but chrissy lay 11 years ago said come on don't be a bible thumper <laughs> thumper spelled wrong lol we can't shove god in people's faces even if we are not physically there all we can say is that we're sorry that they feel that way and pray that we receive the words to convince them of right. what it actually true. Great job on speaking, on trying to speak of God's words, Han. I'm sorry if this comment has offended anyway in any way, shape, or form. I can't tell. I'm I guess, so confused by those words. Those words. Were, those words were not enough. They're I not guess, enough and too much. I guess there's. I. I Maybe they are Christian and they're saying, don't be a Bible thumper, which is definitely something I've heard in the churches. Like, let's not be Bible thumpers. Let's not, you know, what, you know, whatever. I don't know. <sighs> there aren't actually a lot of comments saved. I wonder if a bunch of them got deleted because there's only five comments. Uh, guys, uh, bu- and this is the last comment that's still on here after 10 years. Uh, Blairdorus says, guys, believe me, God doesn't have mind problems like the character in the film. In the film, (laughs) the father makes a lot of mistakes. In true life, we make mistakes, and God is innocent and perfect. Don't forget, Reliant K made the song about God, so whoever tries to distort this message is not doing the right thing. (laughs) I wish you all know the God of this song that knows us totally and wants to save everyone. This is one of my preferred songs. <laughs> preferred songs. Relying K rocks. God bless you all. I mean, I don't know if this is one of my preferred songs or not. I guess it kind of is, but it just depends. It's it's one of my preferred songs on this album, but maybe not one of my preferred Relying K songs overall. But yes, well said. <laughs> Graphic artist 253, whatever (laughs) his name was. I'm sorry. I don't remember. In hindsight, I love that that Golden Archer, the uploader, said, edit, stop giving me S about God. I don't care. This is how I interpret the song. That's where I got the GA from. Right. But then there's only five comments on the video. So I'm I'm either wondering, did he delete a bunch of the comments later or was that it? What did one or two people have a comment about this song is about God and they got upset? We'll never know. Because it does have a lot of views. It has almost 10,000 views. It has, well, it has, it has six, it has 6,800 views after 10 years. That's wow. Yeah. That's still impressive. Those views are not enough though. (laughs) So if you are out there, please go to Golden Archer's YouTube video called father oh it's called the video is called father how i adore you so i don't even know how i found this video because youtube searches are so horrible um so yeah check out father how i adore you the video by golden archer and go and let them know that these views are not enough and they're like hey sadie hawkins pod sent me i respect (laughs) 
your religious views. Yeah. Here are my own yep. religious views. I don't assume everyone listening to Maybe us. Maybe don't give your religious views. It sounds like he doesn't want to hear that. Yeah. But I assume we have or listeners. Or she. They don't want yeah. to hear that. We have. I'm, I know we have listeners of all kinds of different religious beliefs, and even the listeners who are Christian. We all have different viewpoints different ways we were raised let's all go and let's share them i want the oh, new no, sadie don't. hawkins pod oh, no. message boards to be the comments under oh, golden archer's father how i adore you don't go bother golden archer leave them to their to I'm their not saying bother them. i'm just saying i want this to be the landing page for our podcast <laughs> but they asked nicely or maybe it wasn't so nicely they asked not to comment about god in there. don't comment about god comment about sadie hawkins pod <laughs> Because, yes, technically you can call us at 402-95-SADIE to leave a voicemail. You can email us at sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. Or you can check out our Twitter and our Instagram, which are both Sadie Hawkins Pod. But what I would like from now on is for people to go to Golden Archer's YouTube video from 2006 called Father I Adore You and make the comment section the new Hangout. It's like our Discord. I don't really want to sign up for a Discord because it like starts up every time you start your computer and all that. But you know, ostensibly, I'd like to have a Sadie Hawkins Pod Discord. But instead, let's just all hang out on Golden Archer's video. What do you say? I say that I promise, listeners, we will not record a podcast at eleven thirty after going to the Whiskey a Go Go for a show in the future. We just wasted. A hundred minutes of your life.